Now playing Movie Reviews in 20 Qs. Hello, good people, and welcome to the podcast Movie Reviews in 20 Qs, the show where we review a movie by asking 20 weird and wonderful questions about it. I am your host, Sam, and I am joined this week by two of the most amazing women on the planet. Well, sort of. One of them is anyway. Bruce. The other one's Liz. How are you, Liz? <laughs> Thank you so How's it going? much. <laughs> Every week I get this shit from you, and I don't know why I keep coming back. It's probably for my fans, who I love far more than Sam. Because oh, I think you've got Stockholm Syndrome. I think that's the problem. Douche. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, what else am I going to do? Exactly. Codependency. What else are we going to do on a Friday night, Liz? Exactly. Really? Sleep? Do we have a life? I'd like to sleep. I think we've talked about this. It's been a long week, and sleep sounds good. Stop trying to get me to sleep with you, Liz. Now, the other person that we <laughs> have joined us on this podcast... Sorry, I wanted to make sure that was clear how much I thought that was ridiculous. So the other person joining us on the podcast, yes, she's awesome, and she's making her debut on the podcast, Movie Reviews in 20 Qs. It's M from Verbal Diorama. How the hell are you, M? Hello. Yay. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for the amazing introduction. And uh, I am not better than Liz in any way. I think Liz is perfect. But, oh, I, you know, I've been so excited about coming on and... Yeah, I just think you guys are awesome. And we've just been like, literally, I'm not even joking, chatting for like 50 minutes before we even started recording. Uh, completely yeah, forgot we were supposed to be awesome. recording a podcast. That was the best <laughs> part about this. I thought we were just hanging out. It's all just uh, been complete bollocks as well. Like, there's just yeah. talking complete bollocks. Now, Em, like, no pressure, but we've never had a British person on this podcast before. And What? Yeah. What? And we had an Irish person on before, but we've never had a British person. And so when... When, through the magic that is Twitter, I heard of M and then started listening to some of your episodes, I was like, this person is absolutely perfect to be on this podcast. Um, your podcast is awesome, Em, so why don't you tell people about it? And you can do like your links and stuff at the end, but tell us all about Verbal Diorama. Well, thank you. <laughs> and I can't believe that I'm the first British person. That's, um, that's, I'm going to take that as like an honour. I'm going to like make a little medal for myself and then I'm going to oh. hang it around my neck for the rest of my life. I don't know why Excellent. you didn't tell me that, Sam, because I would have just done my British accent for you. No! Em, <laughs> tell us about Verbal Diorama. No one was here to keep an accent. So, uh, Verbal Diorama. So, basically, what I like to do is it's just me kind of hosting this podcast on my own, which is a bit weird, but just go with me on this. I like to talk about the history and legacy of movies you know and movies you don't. So I every week I take a movie and I basically do a little bit of a deep dive into how it was made, little bits of trivia about it, uh, because I'm a little bit obsessed with uh, how movies are made and how it all comes together. Uh, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Listeners, I only have people on here whose podcasts I really, really enjoy and Ems is one of them. And the movie that she picked Thank for you. us to do is... Pacific yeah. Rim from 2013, yeah. directed by Guillermo yeah. del Toro, uh, running through a couple yeah. of the details on it. 6.9 out of 10 on IMDb, 72% on Rotten Tomatoes, and 65% on Metacritic. Starring Charlie Hunnam as Rally Beckett, Diego Klattenhoff as Yancey Beckett, his brother, Idris Elba as Stacker Pentecost, Rinko Kikuchi as Marco Mori, Charlie Day as Dr. Newton Geisler, Bern Gorman as Gottlieb, and Ron Perlman as Hannibal Chow. Now, what we do is, instead of running off a plot off IMDb that some jackass has written and doesn't really know what the hell the movie was about, we fried to whoever's watched the movie most recently. This week, it's Liz. How are you, how's it going, Liz? What's the plot? What is the plot of this film? This is what always happens to me, because I am way too not organised for this stupid podcast, yes. so it always gets... I always get <laughs> Oh, stupid podcast. Stupid podcast. Okay. So this week's like, episode will be a special episode starring two people. <laughs> and one Liz angry asked. yelling person. Uh, no, okay. So, okay. The plot of this film. Suddenly one day. <laughs> no, I don't know how to start it. Hold on. Once upon a time, <laughs> there was. <laughs> there was some In a world. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, uh, it's it starts out with um, the, the news that like these Creepy alien things go and attack cities around the ocean. Why are you laughing at me? This is as bad as Stacy was. Uh, so, um, um, um. <laughs> I had to think. Okay, I'll start again. Okay, ready? Okay, so back to the IMDb plot. As a war no, between humankind and monstrous sea creatures wages on. Shut up, shut up. <laughs> I want to do it better. Okay. A former pilot and a trainee <laughs> appeared up to <laughs> play Yaya Ding Dong to drive a seemingly obstacle. <laughs> <laughs> Special weapon and a desperate effort to save the world from the apocalypse. I want to do it. But you can't. Let me try one more time. <laughs> okay, have another crack. Can Go. I just say, this is, this, this is the funnest podcast I've ever been on. <laughs> we try our best. Okay, okay, I'm doing it. Okay. 
the main guy is uh, Rally, and he was fighting them with his brother, but then his brother died. It was really sad. And then it picks up five years later, and they have to do the last final step that they can do to try and stop them coming together, uh, coming to Earth for good before they are completely fucked and they can't stop them coming anymore. Can't stop them coming or can't stop them coming together. Yeah, exactly. I, I love that, Liz. Well done. There was a lot of coming in that sentence. Perfect. What do you want, man? I did my best. I want coming. Anyway, let's, let's get into the questions before this completely fucking yeah, we've got to, We'll leave the coming to the porn question later. Yeah, absolutely. So if you haven't heard this podcast before, what we do is we review a movie by asking 20 weird and wonderful questions about it. We start with 10 that can be applied to any film. We then move into three personal questions that we thought of while watching this film. And then we finish on typically a listener question or a Patreon question, depending on how organized or disorganized I am. (laughs) And the one that we always start with is the compliment sandwich, which is one thing good, one thing bad, and one thing good about this film if we're giving it a score over 5,000, or a shit sandwich if we're giving a score under 5,000. Now, Liz, since you're so in control and focused and ready to go, why don't you give us, why don't you start (laughs) us off? Why don't you give us your compliment sandwich? Okay, Sam. Listeners, just so you know, I'm currently flipping Sam the bird because he's a big douche face. Okay, so my compliment sandwich. My first compliment is that I liked all the different kinds of Jaegers. I thought they were quite cool machines and there was all sorts of different ones and different like um, generations of them and they had different elements and features. And I thought that was quite cool. I quite liked seeing all the different ones and how they put them together. I... Shit was that I think the dialogue was really, really shit. Like, it really sounded like it was written by a 14-year-old boy or something, which was a bit of a shame because there were a few scenes where if they'd had a bit better dialogue, like, the film would have been just so much better. But my second compliment is I'm going with the absurdity of Ron Perlman. I was oh, yes. ecstatic to see that it was him. I didn't know he was in it and that he was this, you know, like, um, infamous character. And he was just such a fucking weirdo, and it was awesome. I feel like they just went, look, Ron, we haven't really had time to work out what your character's going to be like, so do you want to just turn up and act like a fucking weirdo and just say your lines and dress however you want? And he was like, yeah, sounds fucking cool. Let's do it. And that's what he did. Uh, Em, I'm just going to skip you because my answers were good. The character design of the Kaiju and the Jaegers are awesome. Bad. The dialogue delivery is woeful. Uh, Good. Ron Perlman rocks. (laughs) So, fuck you, Liz. Oh my I'm god, you can't mind each other! We did, we're in the drift. Oh my god, drift compatible! Uh, drift compatible. <laughs> Spoiler alert, but Ron Pillman's deaf as well? Fuck, that was oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah, that was like deep blue sea Samuel L. Jackson getting smoked out of fucking nowhere. It was brilliant. <laughs> and that, it totally made, like, that was one point where the terrible dialogue was great because he was just, yes. it was such shit dialogue, but then it was good because he died such an awesome death. And it made up for the shit. I don't know how to explain it. You have to watch it. But yeah, it was yeah. excellent. Let's keep this train going. What, what's your score out of 10,000 Jaegers? Well, I'm going to go with 6,937 Jaegers. You'll never guess what. I went with 6969 because that's the IMDb score. So it's pretty <laughs> fucking close. That is freaky. We are so drift compatible. True. Yeah. Good point. Sorry to skip you, Em, but you're next. What do you got? Well, I don't have anything like what you guys have. Which means that I am not drift compatible with either of you, and maybe I should just leave right now. But I'm not going to. So don't worry. Well, Keanu's out there somewhere. So uh, good point. Um, I am also giving this a compliment sandwich. Uh, Surprise, surprise. Mm. But my first, so my good thing is it's Guillermo del Toro, who I absolutely love, pretty much with all my heart, because I think that generally. He can do no wrong. I love his movies. I love the worlds that he builds and the characters he creates. I'm a big fan of his Hellboy movies because I've done episodes on them, so obviously. <laughs> but the thing that I love most is Guillermo del Toro, who's kind of generally seen as more of a serious director. And he's basically put out a smashy, smashy robot monster movie. Mm. And, I, and I'll come to more about that a little bit later because I've got a little bit more to say about that. But generally, I think people look at this movie and it is his most um, commercially successful movie as well. Um, And they think, yeah, and they think, oh, it's a smashy, smashy robot monster movie. And generally, it is. But that's awesome that a guy like Guillermo del Toro can go, do you know what? I just want a a movie where some massive robots just beat up monsters for fun. Like, and I'm just like, go for it, Guillermo. Just... Mm do it and he's he's done it and i just think it's completely different to everything he's ever put out it's obviously not his greatest movie ever made because that's pan's labyrinth absolutely 
it's just so much fun. Mm. Like, it's just so much fun to watch. So moving on to my bad thing, Charlie Hunnam is not great. No, he's a terrible actor. That was almost my bad thing as well, but I hated the dialogue more than his acting. The thing is, his dialogue is terrible, but I think his actual acting is a bit worse because oh, I feel like really if you good. give it to someone else, then maybe they could have done something with it. And it's difficult because I really like the character of Raleigh and I like how he stands up for what he believes in because he goes up against Idris Elba. And, you know, you kind of like, dude, you're going up against Idris Elba, don't go there. Mm. Um, he's just like, fuck that shit, you know. And, and But also the character's not a dick. Like he could have easily been like an alpha male dickhead well, character. like that other dickhead. Chuck, yeah, the other yeah, like Chuck. Yeah. yeah, like Chuck. Chuck Could have been dude. like that. Yeah. They're obviously trying to go into the fact that the death of his brother really affected him because they were, you know, in the drift at the same time. So, you know, he's got his brother's memories of death and it's just like, okay, that's quite deep. But I just feel like Charlie Hunnam is not really kind of... Okay, he looks buff and I'll give him that. He He's definitely looking buff and working out. But I just, I just think he's kind of the worst part about the movie. <laughs> Yeah, no, I get that. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yep. But then, um, so what I thought I'd do was I was like, well, okay, I've said something bad about a performance, so I'm going to say something good about a performance. And then it was like, well, who do I choose? Because I've kind of like, well, you've got Idris Elba and you've got Rinko Kikuchi, and I think they are both fucking awesome in this movie. Mm. I love both of them so much. I love the characters so much. I love Stack of Pentecost. I love Makamori. And this movie would be so much worse without both of those actors. Yeah, like they needed some really strong performances to keep this movie going, and that's what those other two brought. So yeah, completely mm. agree. What about a score out of 10,000 Jaegers? I have actually, I tried to give it a bit of thought. I kind of settled on like 7,015 Jaeger because I kind of feel area. like, yeah, yeah I, I wish I'd done the 69-69 though. I'm not going to lie, like... <laughs> You know, oh, it's it's a lot of fun to try, yeah. Yeah, you oh, could okay. have like totally stole that like line. And, like, oh, I wish I had now. I wish I'd just gone. Actually, uh, my score was also sixty nine, sixty nine. Lurch, wink, wink. Jaeger sex joke. Insert here. So just yep. <laughs> that would. Yeah, it's not like the rest of this film has any kind of sex jokes, or you know. <laughs> we'll we'll get to it, Liz. Stop like trying to blow your jokes prematurely. Come on, we'll get there. <laughs> Anywho, that moves us over to question number two, which is the first of our Patreon questions. This question comes courtesy of the amazing man that is Chris Yeeney. Fuck you, the man, Chris. We love you and we love this question. And what would Chris like to know there, Liz? What song would you have inserted into this film and where slash why? So the song that I would have inserted into this film is Evanescence, Bring Me to Life. And And when I would have inserted it is, so you know, like there's the scene where they essentially kind of step into the Jaeger for the first time, when they basically, the first become like drift compatible. And then you get like evanescence kind of coming in. And you know, like the start is all like melodic and it's like, how can you see, you know, all of that. I can't sing right now, yeah. sorry, because I've got no, a cold. that was good. But, I was but you know, like it's like, and the lyrics are like, how can you see into my eyes like open doors? And it's leading you down into my core where I've become numb without a soul. My spirit's sleeping somewhere cold until you find it there and lead it back home. And I was like, fuck yeah. And then it's like, wake me up inside. Wake me up. And it's just like, can you imagine it? And then they're becoming drift compatible. And then like Amy Lee's vocals are coming in and you're just like, bam, they are drift compatible. It's like, wake me up inside. Call my name and save me from the dark. And they're, Together, they're working together. Fuck yeah, that's it. It's no. funny because as soon as you said that, I laughed because I was like, I know exactly the scene she's going to pick because that <laughs> scene is absolutely perfect for that song. I know. My one is just so straightforward. It's like, you know when they're going into the breach and they're descending into that giant fiery pit of whatever? I just imagine ACDC's high, Highway to Hell. It just makes too much sense. Like it's, They're on a highway to hell. Well, he is anyway. Just on a highway to hell going through the breach. Highway to hell. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. What's your answer? <laughs> I won't sing it. I'm picking Ramones, Zero Zero UFO, because it's got the same sort of high energy, freaky vibe. And again, the lyrics are kind of work quite well. I, it landed in a field in Idaho. Where it came from, I don't know. It did not look like it came from Japan. And out of the dark walked a strange man. I was like, oh, oh. kind of works all right. Shit. Yeah. yeah. Knocked it out of the park this week, Liz. Well done. Thank you. 
Uh, moves us over to question number three. What is it, the M? So question number three is what deep philosophical debate arose in you during this film? And when we say arose, we do not mean any penis jokes. Just <laughs> well, you don't want to make one want. now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think a penis is philosophical, though, is it? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. No. Okay, so so this film is mostly set in the year 2020, right? And basically the world has had to put aside its differences and come together to fight a global threat that could, you know, completely change the, 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 the way the world's run and everything that's going on. So I was wondering if in the year 2020 that we were living in, if we were faced with something that could completely change the face of society, would all of us come together as one and fight that together? Or would we all just like, you know, argue and infight and claim it's a scamdemic? I mean, I mean, claim and the kaijus. 5G is causing COVID. <laughs> is that kind of what you're getting at, Sam? Uh, Abso-fucking-lutely. Yeah, f- was 5G the- causes keiju, didn't you know? Yeah, that's the one. 5G does cause keiju. I've got a YouTube video that my crazy fucking uncle that's never used a camera before made, and he knows everything, man. He knows shit. He got <laughs> shit bent down to his fucking brain from, like, psychic spies from China. So he knows shit, man. He knows it. I have to say, I feel like that movie did capture a little bit of 2020 in there. Like, um, Absolutely. The bit, the bit, was it in Sydney or Hong Kong? I can't remember. Probably both. Where the Kaiju and the Jaeger are fighting, and there's, like, people literally standing right there watching the fight. I'm like, you people are fucking idiots. That horrible monster thing is going to totally take you out in about one second. And I was like, oh, but actually people absolutely would be doing this. Those idiots. How about politicians going, no, no, what we need to do is build a wall. Fuck every other approach. We need to build a wall. Maybe (laughs) they actually saw into the future and they were like, oh, let's try and teach them beforehand so that they learn from this. And then we didn't and it sucked. Absolutely didn't. Yeah. My philosophical debate was who the fuck would keep living near the coast? Why didn't they just move everyone from those cities like the minute they realized what was going on like the second one that crawled out they went oh shit this is coming out of the pacific and the pacific cities are going to keep getting hit fucking move everyone out and just stick jaegers along all of the coasts you dickheads makes too much sense liz <laughs> makes too much sense but like all those people still choosing to live at those coastal cities i was like you're idiots my answer to this is actually very similar to both of your answers but i kind of feel like This is a little bit ominously reflecting how we're living in 2020, in a way. This whole kind of insistence that a wall will keep something out. And it's never really hit me before. And watching it last week, I was like, did Trump watch this movie? And that's where he got the idea (laughs) from. And he was like, I know. All all I need to do is build a wall and uh, it'll be a strong wall. It'll be a great big big wall. wall. It'll, It'll be, be the biggest wall. wall. Huge, huge. <laughs> huge wall, huge. It'll be a ugly um, wall. And, um, and I was like, that, it seems to me, is A, like, I mean, his fucking wall is the most ridiculous idea that I've ever had anyway. But this wall <laughs> is even more ridiculous because the size of these things, you know, and the strength of these things, there is no fucking way any wall is going to stop them. You know, it's it seems to me like the, pe- the people in charge in this movie are very similar to a lot of the governments in charge right now who are just basically kind of blinkered. And I kind of completely agree with what you said, Liz. Like, why are people Mm. continuing to live on the coasts? If the coasts are so dangerous, then move inland. You know, it it just seems completely ridiculous to me. Great answer, Em. Liked it. Uh, Moves over to question number four, which is also a Patreon question. This question comes courtesy of the amazing man that is Dave Baker. Dave also has his own Patreon at patreon.com forward slash your favorite. On it, he posts a cornucopia of creative content, ranging from pro samples to curated YouTube recommendations to YouTube video essays and written essays on Medium. Go check it out. It's awesome. There'll be a link down in the show notes. And what Dave would like to know is which character would have the biggest social media presence and on what platform? Um, Chuck Hansen, the douchebag young Chuck! co-pilot. <laughs> He was such a wanker, and you could just see he'd be all over Instagram with pictures of him, like, shirtless in his Jaeger, just being like, yeah, I'm the man. I'm, like, fighting off the bad kaiju, and he'd have all these, like, followers and shit, 100%. Well, I was actually, it's kind of linked to what Liz just said, but I was actually thinking that the character who would have the biggest social media presence would be his dog, Max, because Instagram is massive for dogs, and I feel like Max the dog... Superstar, I think everyone loves Max. 
And I think that he would be posing on all the Jaegers. Chuck would do the writing for him. So it would be like, you know, commenting like, oh, just another day in a Jaeger, lol. And, uh, you know, they'd put little outfits on Max and like they'd pose him next to like dead kaiju and be all like, oh, look at what I just brought in. Ha ha. And all of that sort of stuff. So I think Max the yeah. dog would be would kill it on Instagram. Yeah, that's yeah. a good answer. Uh, I went with Charlie Day's character of Dr. Geisler. I could imagine him making like TikTok videos and YouTube videos because he doesn't seem to give a fuck about what he does to himself. Like he tries to link himself up with the kaiju brain. So I could imagine his videos would be like, hey, this is me, the doctor. I'm going to just try some weird shit and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> but plus, there'd be heaps of like kaiju groupies. So he could like post them and go, hey, today I'm going to show you this toenail from a kaiju. Holy shit. Isn't this the coolest fucking thing in the world? And like all the kaiju people would be like, Fucking A it is. There we go. Thank you, Liz. Thank you. Uh, question Pleasure. number five. What is it there, Liz? Okay. Uh, what is your most controversial opinion about this film? So I mentioned at the top of this episode about Guillermo del Toro doing a smashy, smashy robot monster movie. And this is where I wanted to elaborate a little bit more because my controversial opinion was going to be Charlie Hunnam, but I don't think that's very controversial, actually. Um, so, <laughs> so my controversial opinion is that I think a lot of people think this movie is just a smashy, smashy robot monster movie. But I actually think it's a lot more than that. I think it has a lot of depth. I think it attempts to go into certain topics like psychological trauma. It attempts, it doesn't always succeed in what it tries to do, but at least it tries. And I, I'm really interested in the ethics of the drift and yeah. about how, how ethical is it? for two people to be essentially two halves of a brain and to be so connected to each other in like your memories and your movements and your thoughts like how ethical is that and I kind of feel like every time I come away from this movie I kind of think to myself well it always makes me think it always I always kind of ask more questions than the movie answers but I think that's okay the other thing that is really great about this movie is del toro's world building because he has this ability to build these worlds from scratch which is something that he's brilliant at in literally every movie that he does but it's controversial because i kind of feel like people do think this movie is dumb and it is a very simple movie like it's set up very simply we've already said it's got a very simple script like literally a five-year-old could have written it but Mm. like it's not a movie that really goes into you know the ethics of the drift for example But I feel like at least it makes you think about them. Uh, Whereas if it was just a standard smashy, smashy robot monster movie, it would literally not care about any of that. But the fact that it mentions it, at least tries to dwell on it. I think that this movie is better than people think it is. I totally dig what you're saying. Um, Another movie that sort of springs to mind like that is Starship Troopers, which when it came out, everyone thought was just like an alien evasion slash shoot them up, blah, blah, blah. When they suddenly started realizing there was a satire on like the war in Vietnam and like World War Two and like Nazi propaganda and stuff like that, I, I totally dig what you're saying. The one for me is this film does it well, right? But I feel like the hive mind thing is like done and dusted. I mean, like as I said, they're quite original on this, where they use that sort of hive mind to explain how all these kaiju are being controlled and they're being sent and they're doing this, that, and the next thing. But like. It's one of those things where, like, if you start thinking about the number of other alien movies that uses a hive mind, and if we take out the one central alien, it'll stop the rest of the aliens. There's, there's quite a lot of them. Like, so they do it in Avengers, they do it in Edge of Tomorrow, they do it in Independence Day. And, like, I realize that it's like the exhaust port on the Death Star where you need this, like, one small thing to, like, blow up the entire system. And, but I just, like, I think it's done. Like, we just need to come up with something different. Like, as, as a plot device for films, I think we need to come up with something different. All right. No, I think that's uh, fair. Yeah, I think mine is going to be controversial with at least both. Oh, and probably with both of you. I didn't like the Marco Mori character. <gasps> Get out. It wasn't that I didn't. Okay, so I actually said that a little bit too harsh that I mean. But um, I liked the concept of her, but I feel like she could I like the concept of an orgasm, however. <laughs> <laughs> I've no, never look, had one. <laughs> shut up. No. Um. Look, I didn't like the Mako Mori character because to me, I felt like she was she was developed solely to like appeal to the weeboos with her like little <laughs> bit of blue hair and her like fighting girl and her meek personality. And I just don't think that that's what she would have been like. I feel like if you think about the strength of that woman, 
to have like stood there and watched that fucking kaiju and like lose her parents. She was much tougher than they gave her credit for. And for her all her bowing and being sad and stuff, I was just like, bollocks, she'd be a badass. And I felt like they didn't give her enough credit for that. And I also felt that it was kind of like a, it bowed to that sort of Asian woman, like submissive woman thing. But then she was raised by Idris Elba, actually. So why would she have been this quiet, submissive Asian girl? Like I just, I didn't buy it. I felt like they could have made her character way better than it was. I kind of get what you're saying. Uh, yeah, but I, I feel I, like, like I, I want to disagree with everything. <laughs> same, like, I, like I'll, excellent. I'll, then it's wonderfully <laughs> controversial. It is like the tonal yeah. shifts between her looking through a peephole and staring at Chani Hutterman going, "Ooh!" Like that for me was like one of the worst scenes. And I've got a question about that, but it was. Yeah, just... I think that's bullshit because if you think about it, she's like on this base with a billion dudes. I'd be like, she'd be banging them all, and she. <laughs> Would do well because she was hot as fuck. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah it yeah. legitimately feels like a men riding woman sort of situation where it's just like they look for a peephole and they see this guy who's got a shirt off, and it's like, yeah, that would work for a guy. If a guy looked for a peephole and saw a woman with a shirt off, he would literally go. Ooh. Whereas I think a woman would just open the door and be like, "Sup, you're looking good." <laughs> like, well, you know. We know how Liz juices men. There we go. <laughs> That moves us over to another Patreon question, which comes courtesy of another M. That is the Emily Higgins of the Tasteless Podcast. You guys know about the Tasteless Podcast. We've had her on here a few times. She hosts. I love her. She's awesome. She's the fucking tits. You can find Tasteless (laughs) Podcast on any of your podcast apps. She compares a movie, one that everybody loves, that she thinks is slightly overrated. Usually compares it to a movie that no one's ever heard of, including myself. So there you go. Anyway, what would M like to know, M? So, which side character would have the best spin-off movie? We all want to see that Aussie guy, eh? That Chuck or whatever his name is, because he he's the fucking bomb in this, isn't he? He's like like the anti Steve Irwin. He's like the complete biggest dickhead on the fucking planet. Oh, see, I chose his dad. Like... <laughs> I chose his dad as well. His dad is Did awesome. No, the oh son's a God. fucking dick. Drift compatible. Yeah, Seriously, I did, you guys? It'd be interesting yeah. to see him in the early days, right? Like when he was like an early pilot and they're working everything out and he's trying to deal with this sh- little kid and his wife's obviously left him or whatever. Like I feel like it would have been real interesting. You could have done like the action part of it and then you could have had like the personal growth part of it. The The funny part is I know for a fact that, that guy is an Australian actor, but how like his Australian accent sounded like someone trying an Australian accent. It was weird. Like, nowhere near as bad as Charlie, Charlie Hunnam's accent. I've got no idea what the fuck that was supposed to be. But at the same time. <laughs> well, b- because obviously I am seriously not drift compatible with you guys, because clearly you guys are agreeing <laughs> on everything. Maybe I'm actually a little bit. Together. I'm <laughs> actually a little bit freaked out right now. If you guys weren't on the video in front of me, I'd question whether you were the same person. Um, <laughs> we do share a hive mind. I'm just far more attractive. To weirdos. That's correct. She is far more attractive to weirdos. So, anyway, um, I've kind of gone with an obvious character because I was like, well, the one character that I really, really want to see in a spin off movie is Makamori. I love Makamori so much. And I. I'm sorry, Liz, I have to disagree with what you said. I think that she is a complete badass. She is a sort of character, yes, she has this kind of demure uh, appearance. But I think that, you know, she is, she is, we're consistently told she is the best. Like she is constantly beating everyone. I think that she literally can kick the ass of every man in that um, station. But she has such a respect for her father figure. And her father figure is telling her, you know, I don't think you're ready. And it's because he cares about her so much and she respects him so much. And I really love their relationship. I think it's really nice. And I would love to see more of her story. I think that her beginnings as obviously a child, having that trauma of losing her parents, but essentially being saved by Idris Elba. There's there's so much brilliant material for her. Let's get that spin-off movie because I just, I want to see her. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, she's she's pretty cool. I t- totally disagree with Liz. Anywho, that moves us <laughs> hey, I like the actress. I'm just saying I would like to see them make her even more hardcore. Sure, Liz. There's no backtracking on this podcast. Uh, anywho, that moves us over to question. <laughs> that moves us over to question number seven, which comes courtesy of the amazing man that is Dan Brennick. Dan is one half of the Netflix and Swill podcast, which you guys would know if you'd listened to the Independence Day episode. And what Dan would like to know, well, he's got two questions. This question is a little bit more serious to throw at these two. If we were the head of Netflix and we were marketing this film, when would we have dropped the first trailer for this film? 
So um, my answer is about a month out, uh, and I do it to tie in with. Oh fuck Z. off! What the fuck? That is not what you wrote. What that the fuck? Not- <laughs> I've got a month. I've got a month down. But why? Did you have a reason? Did it just pop in your head like someone oh, put it there? Like someone in Yeah, yeah, the yeah pretty much. I was just like, a, a, a about moment. a month, I was like, Guillermo del Toro is a bit of a name, but like Idris Elba isn't like a massive star. Charlie Hunnam wasn't a massive star in 2013. I was trying to think of like when would be enough for these people to go, oh, wow, this looks cool. God yeah, damn so it. I, I did it to tie in with World War Z because I felt like monsters and apocalypse and action, you could see people maybe getting into it for the same sort of reasons. So that's why yeah. I said, yeah. Makes sense. What about you, Em? <laughs> Fucking very creepy. You guys, I, I'm going to be honest, right? And I don't think I understood the question. That's fine. Um, and no, what, what and I say? basically put, I would have dropped the first trailer in like May or June of 2020. Oh, <laughs> yeah. See, it's not all bad this year. At least the no, code that's you a good question. Yet. No, no, no. That's a perfectly reasonable answer because you can be like, I would have just released it this year and dropped the trailer then because everyone would have related. Oh, okay. Well, that's good then. So I did kind of understand the question, but I was just like, well, it feels quite relevant now. So if I was the head of Netflix, I'd just be like, well, just release it in 2020. No other movies are coming out, so let's just release that shit and then be all like, oh, yeah, coronavirus, ha, ha, ha. Look at this. We've got kaiju. They're much worse. So <laughs> You think COVID's bad? Wait till you see these giant alien things. Exactly. These giant fucking so, things are destroying hundreds of thousands of people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're fucking killing millions of people. Up yours, COVID. You know. Exactly. <laughs> we are only into September. So who says that kaiju aren't coming out later this year? You don't, don't know. fucking well. don't tempt fate, Liz. What's the next question? <laughs> Bitch, there's don't... already been a hell mouth open up in Siberia last month, so oh, <laughs> we're getting pretty close. Yeah, like, fucking hell. And everyone's like, "Oh, I just can't wait till 2020 is over." I'm like, "What makes you think 2021 is going to be any better? Yeah, nothing's going to fucking change." <laughs> <laughs> it's like as soon as it's January first, 2021, it's like everything's going to disappear and everything's going to be normal again. Damn, Fuck that shit. COVID. Yay. It'd be pretty funny if we all just look up in the sky and we just see this cursor scrolling down and then it just like hits the start button and then he's like, okay, restart. We're like, restart 2020? <laughs> Fuck you, cunt. I'm not doing this again. <laughs> Hells to the no. Anywho, that moves us over to question number eight. What is it there, Liz? All right. Uh, this question comes from one of our newest Patreons, who well is the absolutely fantastic Nick uh, from the Epic Film Guys. Well done. Yes. I'm so proud of you right now. (laughs) Yeah. So I I definitely recommend you check out their podcast. Uh, And what Nick would like to know is what would the ending of this movie look like if it was rewritten as a Shakespearean style tragedy or comedy? Now, this is quite interesting to me because as we're recording this episode, I've literally just put an episode out of my own that's based on a Shakespearean comedy. So uh, I'm all up in Shakespeare right now. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry. It's uh, 10 Things I Hate About You, by the way. It's excellent. It's, I listened to it uh, today. It's very good. It's very good. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, obviously that was based on The Taming of the Shrew. And so I've been all up in Shakespeare's ass uh, with research over the last couple of days. Not literally, obviously, because uh, he's dead. He's but dead would be um, gross. it would be very gross. Um, so what I thought was, so so we get to the end of this movie and we think that Raleigh is dead because he kind of comes up in his little doofer, whatever yeah, I, his life That was thingy. one bit where I was like, that's fucking ridiculous. There's no way he was alive now. That's bullshit. Yeah, I was really well, annoyed. Yeah. Anyway. It's, it's, it's crazy. But then the thing is, he doesn't even come back for the fucking sequel. So who fucking cares? He should be fucking dead. Anyway. <laughs> um, but my thinking is, Raleigh actually comes up to the surface and he sees that Mako Mori's lifeboat thing is there. But she appears to be dead. And so he's like, I can't cope with this anymore. Like, I'm in love with this woman. She's everything to me. I am so in love with her that I'm going to take this shard of Jaeger that I've got as a souvenir because I'm a dick and I took a shard of metal from a robot before it went nuclear. And he stabs himself and he basically bleeds out over his lifeboat. And as he's bleeding out, Mako Mori wakes up And she kind of sees him there because she was just unconscious. She just knocked her head. So she's like, oh, my God, but I've realized that I love you, too. And now you're dying. And then he's like, oh, Maka, I love you. And then he dies. 
she takes the piece of Jaeger and stabs herself? No, because it's Macklemore and I want to see her in a spin-off. <laughs> but then I was thinking, well, let's do a twist on it. And then the Juliet character doesn't sacrifice herself because she's like, actually, I'm the fucking bitch of this movie. Like, this movie rides oh, on my yeah. fucking coattails. Fucking... Raleigh, you can fuck right off to heaven. I'm going to live. I'm going to have a spin-off movie. And basically, she then becomes the hero and everyone is basically like, Makamori is the queen. I like that. The one for me is that, like, so his brother dies at the start and what I'm imagining is the kaiju somehow have taken his genetic material or his body back down the breach and they've sort of reconstituted him so that when Raleigh goes down through the breach and he's about to detonate, you know, the Jaeger or whatever, his brother comes into the Jaeger and is like, oh, I'm going to fucking kill you. Rah, 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 rah. And he has to kill his brother. But then in the end, they end up killing each other. And then, but he still sets off the nuke. We get a bit of a happy ending, but Rally dies because fuck him. I, don't, I couldn't give a shit about Charlie Hunnam in this movie. <laughs> he just, yeah. Oh, no, I liked the character, but he just. Wasn't Why? Because he was <laughs> he's hot. Hello. Okay. Yeah. This should not be yeah. a surprise to you after all No, the he is hot. True. He is hot. My answer is that it's going to be a tragedy. And I am going to probably go say something a bit controversial again here. I didn't like Idris Elba and Marco's relationship. I felt like he treated her like she was a child and he was quite condescending and frankly a bit misogynistic. He was like, oh, you're too emotional. I'm like, bitch, you've been emotional this whole fucking film. Shut your mouth. Anyway, the tragedy would have been if he didn't give her a second chance and then then because he didn't respect her, she ignored him and she got into the – Kaiju, sorry, got into the Jaeger and did the My Mountain stuff. But then she failed because she got stuck in the memory again and um, she killed him with the arm cannon or the sword or something. Because I feel like that would have been his downfall because he didn't treat her the way that she should have and she would have, it would have come back to bite him. Makes sense. Does it? I couldn't, I don't know if I was explaining it right, but it's my fucking answer. Take it all. It sounds like I'm paying attention. (laughs) Yeah, it makes sense. Anyway. Cool. Moves us over to a fan favorite question. What is it, the M? Right. So question number nine is, what quote from this film would be the worst thing to hear after you finish having sex? I like. I legitimately feel like we're bound to have one of the same ones, which is, one, don't you ever touch me again. Two, don't you ever touch me again. <laughs> oh, I didn't have those, but that's awesome. That's, How that's... did I miss that line? I had, my, my initial one was, now is not a good moment for your insubordination. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then the one I literally just thought of now was if someone just said, Crimson Typhoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you pulled a winner there. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. Didn't quit. <laughs> sorry about your seven sheets and whatever. Follow that one, yeah. Em. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like that. Well, I'm going to be honest, mine's the best. Oh, and my... cool, but I'm excited. Okay, I'm ready. No kaiju entrails over my side of the room. You know the rules. Every bloody day, it's incessant. <laughs> <laughs> that is excellent. That is really yeah. good. And that moves us down to question number 10, which is the last question that can be applied to any film. And the question is, what was the biggest dick move of the movie? This is such a dumb answer. But... um. I've decided it was the decision to put those two scientist nerds to work in the same room. They're in this huge complex and they hated each other and they were doing completely different things that like just annoyed each other all the time. And they probably would have worked far more efficiently and solved the problem if they'd put them in separate rooms. That's a very good point. What about you, Ian? Okay, I'll be honest. My answer's a bit rubbish. Um, That's fine. So is mine. So it's fine. (laughs) No, but I kind of felt that there was a line in the movie that was quite a bit of a dick move. And it's when Chuck says about bitches need a leash. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. So I was oh, like, misogynist. I was like, yeah, don't be a misogynist. Don't be a dick. Like he was just, he yeah. wouldn't even, he wouldn't even app- applaud them. Like when they'd like totally saved everyone's ass. He couldn't even stretch to going, Hey man, that was actually pretty good. Well done. He was yeah, just so a dick move though. He is a dick he, move. That guy, that the, whole, the whole character, character is a dick entire move. life. Yeah. 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 See, I was absolutely convinced that he was going to get taken. So I went with the Kaiju. I, why the Kaiju, like the biggest dick move of them was sending a pregnant one into fight. Like I'm all oh. for gender equality, but you don't send a pregnant <laughs> fucking Kaiju into fight for you. What the fuck? I thought you were going to say the dick move was them like invading another planet, but no, you're like, oh no, that's nah, fine. Totally cool with that. 
There's the Stacey answer. Totally cool of them invading. Don't give a shit about that. Sending yeah, a pregnant right. one. That's rude. That's uh, really rude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was totally weird. But then it did end up with the fantastic death of Ron Perlman. So Oh, that's true. Absolutely love I'll that. It. Yeah. My my other one too was like um I hated the fact that they sent the two Jaegers to fight the two Kaiju and then they just left one of the Jaegers, like the Aussie Jaeger, just standing there watching. I was like, send them all fucking all in, man. This is like one yeah. of the worst situations you're in in the fucking ever. Yeah. Oh, we're going to have you in reserve. Why? You just fucking yeah. watch it's two so- dudes get their fucking asses handed to them. I it's like it was, any, um, it's like any uh, fight, isn't it? Where you've got like one dude and he's being attacked by 10. And so only two of them go to him at once and the rest of them are just kind of standing in the background like waiting to attack. It's like, no, yeah. you got fucking 10. Take all fucking 10 and do it. Like, what's, what the fu- what's the fucking point? Exactly. And that moves us down to our questions that we thought of while of watching this film that we can ask of the other people and don't necessarily have to answer ourselves. And M, since you're our guest, you get to start. What do you got? Right, okay. So my first question was in this universe, so we're talking about the Pacific Rim universe, what came first? Was it Godzilla or was it the Pacific Rim Kaiju? And I was most interested is if Godzilla does exist in this universe and was around, like who would win in a fight between Godzilla and the Kaiju? Look, I sadly know a lot about things coming first. So I'm going <laughs> to... <laughs> I'm going with Godzilla. He, he definitely came first and he had fucked shit up. He's the king of monsters. He can take on King Ghidorah, who's a Alien Invader as well. He he knows how to fuck shit up. I'm definitely going with Godzilla. I have just decided to change my answer on a whim, and I'm now going to say that Godzilla came later um, than the kaiju because I feel like they would have been more prepared for the kaiju had Godzilla already been around. Ah, oh, fuck actually, you, big brain. <laughs> yeah, suck it. Saying that, I actually think that the kaiju would have beaten him because he was just one type of thing and they were all adapty and trying to find ways to get around the, the um, Jaeger attacks. I've, I've got to give it to the kaiju. They have this amazing ability to pop up out of the water and water that the Jaegers are standing in up to their knees in. Did you guys notice yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. I yeah. did, actually. I was like, they're quite far out as well from the from the city. Yeah. But they still don't seem to be very deep. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's really weird. It's like yeah. they're still on the continental shelf and it's up to their shin bones. But yet the Jaegers are able to keep themselves so flat that they can just like shoot out of the water without them having any recognition about where they are in in the sea around them. Yeah. And I thought it was really dumb how like they kept like the Jaegers kept taking them on when they reached the cities. I was like, why would you not have them way closer to the breach and like stopping it before they actually got to any people? That seems really dumb. That makes too much sense as well, Liz. Yeah, yeah, sorry. yeah. This is this is not a movie that makes sense. Yeah. So my next question, question twelve, is: You're a porn director charged with making the adult movie version of Pacific Rim. What would the in inverted commas plot be? The uh, welcome to the podcast, Em. When I saw this question, I was like, "Yep, she gets it. She understands what this podcast <laughs> is all about." So in my film, brothers Chad Fundercock and Max Poundage ignore the fact that they have different last names because hey, porn plots never make sense. So yeah, they have to shove their two and a half ton warhead down the breach, right? But stopping them is Liz Leverback and M Knifehead, and this is where I stop the plot of Pacific Field to the Rim before <laughs> these two walk out on me. That is gross. You are gross. I knew you were going to hate this question, Miss Prude. <laughs> Liz Leverback. Actually, I decided that the mind meld can only happen if the drivers are actually having sex at the time. So basically the same sort of plot of the movie, but all of the, like, driving the things, they're actually just fucking each other. <laughs> all the Jaegers would be doing would be, like, thrusting. <laughs> yes. And going, like, yes, be like, yes, yes. Engage giant erection sword. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, just... that's the thing, that... Giant erection sword is a thing in this movie and it starts off floppy and then it goes really hard. So it's like this movie is made for porn. It really is. I'm just imagining a completely different movie of just Leverback like, hey, boss, we need to stop invading this planet. Why? Because every time we come out, they start thrusting on top of us. (laughs) (laughs) It's really quite concerning and I'm not enjoying it. It's kind of bad touch. You know, at first it was kind of enjoyable, but now it's kind of bad touch, boss. I don't want to do this anymore. Wait, the weirdest part, I tried to rip their head off and there was two people inside having more sex. That was like the <laughs> <laughs> It was very well, meta. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you see, I wanted to answer this because the uh, I wanted to go with the initial thought that I had. Now, bear with me because we're going to be going back in time a little bit because generally, uh, I think the best porn is like 70s porn. So what I'm thinking is that the Jaegers live in like a 70s, like a massive 70s house. But unfortunately... The refrigerator is broken. 
So they have to basically <laughs> contact the breach um, and they get a kaiju repairman. And the kaiju repairman arrives at the door. He's got like a 70s tash and he's basically like, uh, I'm here to fix your fridge. And uh, and the Jaegers are like, oh, my God, it just needs a service. And um, and then so the kaiju basically come in and then they, in inverted commas, service the fridge. What the fuck is going on? This is amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Have you never watched 70s porn scene? Oh, come fuck, who are you talking to? Come on, man. Plot. Come on. <laughs> Absolutely. We don't have any money to pay you. That's all right, ladies. I can take payment other way. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So that's, that's how Please that's raise how your uh, very sexy erections for us. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. Uh, oh, I've got another question, haven't I? You do. So uh, this is... This is a bit more of a serious question because I was like, well, okay, I maybe need to ask a serious question. Nah. But, um, so, question 13. uh, Guillermo del Toro usually features sympathetic monsters in his movies. How could the kaiju become sympathetic, do you think? I feel like if we knew a little bit more about their plan, like maybe they're being manipulated by someone or they had their own world destroyed and they needed somewhere to go. But sort of like Frankenstein monster, they had no idea about the destruction they're unfolding. Like they're just just being themselves and they don't realise what they're doing. Something like that. They're maybe. basically just like big toddlers. Yeah, exactly. Like they're <laughs> yeah. just like they're just well, being. They kind of seem like that, didn't they? They just kind of turned up and just started trying to eat shit. Yeah, like they just yeah. got really sent through this breach and they've got no real idea what the fuck's going on. They've just been controlled yeah. to go there because like their world's destroyed. They've got they've run out of resources. They have to go somewhere, and this is the only place they could get to. Something like that. Something just stock standard. Yeah. I think uh, if they, I, I want to run with the uh, pregnancy plotline there. If they had actually kept the baby alive and the baby wasn't like aggressive because it was a baby and it didn't know any better um, and it was raised by humans and then it educated them on how to kill the kaiju or like close the breach. Or even better, kaiju on kaiju. Fuck, that's a sequel. Yeah, that yeah. is sick. Yeah. Yeah, like the human raised kaiju against its like yeah. familial kaiju. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, they're my questions. Excellent. Well done, Em. I love them. They were absolutely brilliant. Moves us over to Liz. What do you got, Liz? That means it's my turn. Literally, the first question I came up with when I was watching this film was, if the first kaiju appeared in San Francisco, then how did they end up with a Japanese name? Well, I, you see, I have a theory based on this, and my theory basically depends on the answer to my previous question about Godzilla. Because if I Godzilla does exist... <laughs> yeah then Godzilla is a kaiju. So, and obviously Godzilla was, uh, is a Japanese creation and that's why he's called a kaiju. And so I figured, well, if Godzilla already exists and then all these other monsters all of a sudden appear, then they would also be kaiju. But I have a secondary response. If you said, actually, Godzilla doesn't exist and this is the first instance of a monster. That's what I did. My, my, so I did some research about San Francisco uh, because I was like, how am I going to answer this question? And I found out that the Asian population is the second highest ethnicity in San Francisco. And so oh. I kind of figured off that maybe if the kaiju had attacked San Francisco, that maybe it was discovered or found by someone of Japanese descent who, you know, referred to it in the media as, oh, it's a kaiju. I know these, you know, we've got history about them in Japan. It means like, you know, Monster, big monster, or whatever Mm. it means. I think it means big monster. Seems legit. All right. Question 15. Uh, What did you think of Marshall Stecker Pentecost, played by Idris Elba, as a leader? Well, I think I've made my feelings about (laughs) uh, Stecker Pentecost quite clear. I do respect your point of view from a a little bit, Liz. I'm not going to say I respect it completely because I think it's mostly wrong. But... Um, I I think that Stacker Pentecost uh, has obviously been through a lot. We know that he survived being a pilot uh, and being a solo pilot of a Jaeger. Uh, we know that he's got health issues because of that. We know that he's very protective of his adoptive daughter, Mako Mori. So... I kind of see him as being, yes, sometimes he can be a little bit unfair when it comes to his dealings with her. But I think that, I mean, A, he's gorgeous. And B, (laughs) if he was the commanding officer and I was, you know, one of his subordinates, I would do whatever that man said. Like, (laughs) he, he could literally ask anything of me and I'd be like, Idris, I will do it for you. Because he's got that charisma and he's got that 
screen presence that it may it commands you to watch him and to hear what he says. And although the line that he gives, it's not it's not as iconic as the Independence Day line, for example. Mm. But the whole we are cancelling the apocalypse. I'm just like fuck yeah, let's bring it on. I will do anything for you, Idris. Anything. And I, I, I think he's a flawed character, definitely. He's got issues. But overall, I think he's trying to do what's right. And I respect Marshall Stacker Pentecost for that. All right. Sam, what about you? Uh, she's said everything I was going to say. Like, I, I just, yeah, I mean, he's doing the best he can with what he's got. At the same time, like, yeah, I'm a father. I've got a little girl. I completely understand why I wouldn't want to leave her. Especially, I wouldn't want to leave my daughter of Chani Hullam. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> the the apocalypse is happening, daughter. It's fucking happening. <laughs> It's it's funny that you think I've asked this question because of how he treats Marco, and it's actually not. The The reason that this question came to my mind was when he was watching the the moment oh, where the Hansons are, are watching the, their two colleagues go down and they're they're dying and whatever, and they're, they're fighting the two uh, kaiju. And he's like, no, you must not leave. And they're like, mm, yeah, now fuck you, yeah, we're going. And I just thought, you don't command any respect here. Like there's – multiple instances in the film where people are, he's just like this is my order to you and they're like oh really yeah nah mate we're gonna do what we the want. very first and fight that was exactly the same thing gypsy danger was like nah we're going in fuck you we're not listening to you exactly yes exactly so there were multiple instances where he just he just didn't garner enough respect from his his troops and that's what made me think yeah. mm, you're not really that good a leader are you yeah um and my last question is a bit more simple uh which was the coolest jaeger and why Talking of Crimson Typhoon, your uh, your <laughs> awkward sex the, moment. Uh, the awkward sex moment. Um, I thought that the whole three arms was actually pretty cool, but I have lots of questions about Crimson Typhoon because if the way that Jaegers are set up is you're essentially controlling half each, yeah, yeah. So you're each controlling one leg, one arm. So it's like, well, okay. So where does the third arm come from? And um, surely they need a third <laughs> leg as well. I'm sorry. I've just realised what his job is. He's in the porn movie operating the China. He's the porn. He is. He's controlling the third leg. The third leg. He is the third leg (laughs) operator. Well, that's a pretty good, uh, good one. What about you, Sam? Well, I um, I was going to go with the Russian one, and then I thought, like, why the fuck would they name themselves after Chernobyl? Because it's like Cherno Alpha. Like that's the name of the. Oh yeah. I was like, that's kind of a weird name. Like, why would you name yourself after the biggest disaster that's happened to your country? Except it wasn't their country. No, they were the Russians, and Ru- the- Chernobyl was part of Russia at that time. It's now part of the Ukraine, oh, but back yes, in 1985, right. Sorry, it was yeah. part of the USSR. Yeah. Fair, yep, yep. I, you can delete my stupidity there. <laughs> can I? <laughs> Will I? You must. <laughs> you must. <laughs> yeah, I just like the anyway. I just like the Russianness of it, like this big giant tank. Yeah. Nice. Um, yep. I think that is my three questions. It is, and you're done. And that moves me over to my questions. So if you guys were leading the kaiju, how would this movie have ended a lot quicker? Well, the kaiju were dumb because they sent like their less uh, strong ones first. I think once you sent the first one through, and obviously they had no idea how to fucking handle it and it was kicking ass, you'd be like, okay, well now I'll just send my Category 5s or Category 4s yeah. or whatever. Yeah, like, yep. it was, that's yeah. a good answer. Why start yeah. slower and then move up to the higher ones when they've actually started getting good at fighting you that seemed dumb yeah that that's pretty much exactly my answer i basically thought why bother sending one why not send all of them (laughs) i just feel there must be some kind of requirement that they could only send them because there was that mathematical formula that he made i felt like it must have been the strength of the breach or something yeah so i thought that as well i thought that as well but i thought why don't you just send one and then get them to hang out by the breach because humans wouldn't know what the fuck is going on like in the early days and then have jaegers you know, send one, have them wait there a week, send another, have them wait there a week, and blah, 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 until you got like fucking 40 of them and then just see us, you know, see ya. Uh, next question. So, like, we've talked about how there's a love story set up between Makamori and Rally, but it doesn't really make any sense. I want to know from you guys, which other two characters in this film do you guys reckon had way more sexual chemistry than those two? Uh, in the interest of avoiding uh, just giving the obvious answer... I have decided that I'm going with uh, Rally and Chuck because there was so yes, much that was my choice. Up masculine. Yes. Why do dudes always have to get into those dick measuring pissing contests and like beat each other? Because we're fucking insecure. Yes. Come on, man. It's just yes. so fucking stupid. Like, just don't be dicks. You're both like trying to save the fucking world. You've got bigger like fish to fry right now. Yeah. But yeah. yeah they should have just like. Punched each other and then fucked each other, got it all out, and then, yep. 
Absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. That was my choice, 100%. Just fucking bang. Just get yeah, it over with. Yeah, they just like grabbed his head and like they just mashed their teeth together and like <laughs> yes. made out and then just like ripped each other's clothes Next off. Next question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> good answers there, guys, but the correct answer was Charlie Day and Ron Perlman's character. There was a lot of sexual tension between <laughs> those two. Final question from me. Uh, so... Obviously, you've got to have a good match with someone, but uh, in, in order for you guys to share the drift and to, you know, blah, 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 do whatever, operate a Jaeger. So I want to know from you guys, which celebrity out there in the world do you guys reckon you could share the drift with and you'd be okay sharing your memories with and you guys reckon be compatible with? I'm interested to see this because both of you guys get pretty goddamn thirsty for certain celebrities. I want to see if you guys pick them. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, I didn't pick Tom Hardy or Chris Hemsworth. However... I did pick Tom Hemsworth. Channing Tatum. Oh, no, <laughs> Channing, Channing Tatum. Tatum. Ooh. Yeah, because I feel like he'd be he'd be flattered by how hot he think how hot I think he is, and like maybe a couple of the dreams I might have had about him in the past. But he'd also he just seems like someone who's just never phased by anything, and would just be quite happy to just sort of laugh shit off and just be like, "Oh, that's a pretty weird thing that you did or thought of or." lived or whatever but whatever he just seems like somebody just get in and be like all right let's go fucking kill these fucking kaiju then and it'd be quite fun then yeah we could bang afterwards that, that's that's a good answer okay well not the second yeah. part but yeah that's great uh what about you Em? no i thought it was a great answer well i think there is an obvious answer that anyone who's listened to my podcast will know that i would probably go for yeah but i'm gonna disappoint you all um and not say keanu reeves of course i'm gonna say keanu reeves i was building it up i was building it up and the reason why is I feel like it would have to be him. We would be drift compatible. He would understand me. He'd obviously fall desperately in love with me because he'd realise how brilliant I am. And also, he'd have to deal with the very impure thoughts that I have about him. But I feel like he's the sort of guy who'll take it all in his stride. He'll be like, look, I'm here to do a job. I appreciate that, you know, you fancy the pants off me, but we're here to kill some kaiju right now. So let's do that. (laughs) But then I'm thinking of that porno version where literally you have to fuck in the helmet of the kaiju. And I'm like, that would probably be what would happen. But it would, it wouldn't, (laughs) well, it wouldn't just be fucking. It would be like proper lovemaking, obviously, because it's not, it wouldn't just be a fuck. But I, I feel like genuinely Keanu Reeves He's very cool, very calm, very collected. Like I feel like, and obviously he's a physical yeah, yeah. man. Like it's the same as Channing Tatum. They're like the same sort of thing, you know. Yeah, and Channing but, Tatum is an amazing dancer, right? And I feel like that might that fluidity might um, come into fighting. But also, not only would it be an awesome like Keiju fight machine, but also it could do like a bit of a sexy yeah, dance at the end. Machine. Yeah, of and then dance. victory dance at the end. Dance. But while yeah, the Jaeger yeah. is basically like doing a bit of a victory dance that's when you hit it with the love making that's when 100%. you fucking you fucking get down 70s porn music and I... everything blaring in that helmet <laughs> and you are getting down with Channing Tatum and then 100%. basically because I'm going to be there in the other Jaeger next to you basically we're going to be like Jaeger high-fiving and then you're going to be at it with this Channing is... I'm going to be at it with Keanu and that is basically going to be how me insane. and you Liz save the world this is fucking amazing <laughs> What the fuck are we talking about? I don't don't know, know, but this is awesome. I love it. Officially lost. We have. Like, I wasn't going to answer this myself because, like, you're right. You need to get a celebrity that would be totally cool with, like, all your deepest, darkest thoughts and stuff like that. So I was like, there's no way it could be Brie Larson or Nellie Portman or Marion Cotillard. So then I was like, or or Chris Hemsworth. So I've got to pick up. I don't think you're giving Brie Larson enough credit. No, no, no. They're totally cool. They're totally cool. But at the same time, you're like, they're going to see all your worst memories. So I was like, who would be I be okay with seeing all my worst memories? I was like, the, the answer's obvious. It's Mel Gibson. Because no matter what bad shit I've done, there's nothing compared to that fucking asshole. He'd be like, God, you're pretty boring. And you'd be like, this is exactly why I picked you, you fucking tool. Exactly. So I've got to try and find like the crazy sort of manic energy that's on my level that's kind of done some weird shit maybe, but not nearly that bad. So maybe like Michael Keaton. Like, just like that slightly crazy, but not full crazy, you know? Jack Nicholson, someone um, like that. Oh, yes, I, I, you'd go really well with Jack I Nicholson, would. I reckon. Me and Jack Nicholson. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. And that moves us down to our final question, which is a listener question. This is a question I threw out there to you guys, our dear listeners, with a poll and got you to sound off in the comments if you liked. So the question this week was, in theme of this film, what is your favourite alien invasion movie? Why don't you start us off, Liz? You can give us a top three or just your favourite one, whatever you like. Oh, yeah, I have one, and I cheated because I voted in your poll as well for the same one. (laughs) Cheat. But, um, yeah, no, my choice is clearly Independence Day. 
It is quality film. Uh, you know, there's good laughs, good lines, uh, hilarious plot, like great actors. It's just a brilliant film. I love it. And you know my feelings on 90s films. Like True. I adore them. They're my favourite. Well, interestingly, um, of the four movies that were listed in the poll, I've actually covered two of them on my own podcast. Mm. So uh, I, I've done episodes on Edge of Tomorrow and I've done an episode on The Thing. And so I was like, well, should I vote in this poll? And I was like, actually, fuck yeah, I'm going to vote because who the <laughs> so fuck's so going to stop cheated. me? Good. So yeah, kind of both cheated. But as a listener as well, I kind of feel like I fit the bill. So, you know, I went for The Thing and I know that it's not an invasion per se, but if that creature had got out, the world would be fucked. Correct, yeah. Like, yeah. the world would be absolutely screwed because the thing can be anyone. It can look like anyone. It can infect anyone. It's basically fucking coronavirus. So <laughs> the world is screwed uh, if the thing did actually get out. So I feel like, although as much as I love Edge of Tomorrow, it is the best movie Tom Cruise has ever done. And I fucking love Emily Blunt. She is the queen. Yeah. Um, but I picked the thing because it's perfect suspense. It's perfect horror. Perfect creature effects. Everything about that movie is fucking awesome. So, yeah, I mean, my my vote is like the thing. Like, even though it's it's kind of not really an alien invasion film, it's more like an alien who got lost and then crash landed in, in Antarctica and then got frozen and then sort of woke up and was like, fuck, a bit of tear shit up. It's not really that sort of like alien invasion film, but at the same time, it's just like, it's in my top 20 films of all time. Predator's probably in my top 50. The Thing is definitely in my top 20. Edge of Tomorrow and Independence Day. Independence Day is definitely not in my top 100. Edge of Tomorrow is kind of good. Uh, still, I, I, I can't stand Tom Cruise. I absolutely can't stand Tom yeah. Cruise, but a movie in which he dies yeah. repetitively, fuck, you've got me. You got me from the start. And you're right, Emily Blunt <laughs> crushes. Emily Blunt did Edge of Tomorrow and then went on and did Sicario, and she crashes in both of them. So over to the votes, and The Thing won with 32.3% of the vote. Independence Day came second at 29.8%. They were neck and neck for a long time. Edge of Tomorrow, 16.9%, came fourth, and Predator actually got third with 21% of the vote. Talking about other podcasts, uh, we had a couple of people weigh in. So Paul from the Countdown Podcast, Countdown Podcast is awesome. If you, Nolan Bros, if you haven't left us yet and you want to hear why Tenet is awesome, go over and listen to the Countdown Podcast. They've got a spoiler-free and a spoiler review on it. That is absolutely the tits. And Paul basically said, how in the name of all that is cinema is Independence Day beating the thing that ticked off uh, <laughs> ticked off Dan Brennan from Netflix and Swill, which is, makes sense. Kobe Mack mentioned Attack the Block. Attack the Block is the tits as well. That's a great British Oh, film. I love Attack the Block. Yeah. Flix X-Rage just basically posted a gif of The Thing. Completely agree. Renegade said The Thing is a better movie and my pick yet Independence Day is admittedly more fun. Completely there with you. Emma at the movies. Hey, Emma, how are you doing? She voted Independence Day because she used to watch it constantly, but have we all forgotten Fiend Without a Face? Classic Invasion by Brains on Spines. No idea what the hell you're talking about there, Emma, but I read the synopsis and I'm totally going to check it out. Nick Haskins from Epic Film Guys wrote, Sam, if you don't give Pacific Rim the biggest shit sandwich in the history of the show, you're dead to me. So fuck you, Nick. I'm dead to you. We still love you, though. Oh, well. You're still the man. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. I actually really enjoyed it. Like, uh, much more than Stop I Stop trying to suck up to Nicholas. Anyway. <laughs> I'm allowed. Chris, He's my fan. Chris Yoni followed in on that and said, more of a shit slider than a full sandwich. Now, Atlantic Rim Resurrection. Now, that's a big old shit sandwich. Completely agree with thoughts on that film. Julio from The Contrarians also uh, chimed in and said Mars Attacks. I remember the cast in that was huge, and it was a very Tim Burton yeah, movie. Yeah, it was a crazy cast. Yeah. Yeah. And that takes us down to the end. Now, Em, obviously you've plugged your podcast a little bit during this, but why don't you tell everyone yeah, where sorry. they can find Verbal Diorama and uh, your amazing show? Thank you. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. I've genuinely had the best time. Oh, I've had yay. such a laugh with you guys. And to be fair, I kind of figured I would. I never thought I'd come <laughs> on this podcast and have to be all like serious. And let's talk about how the kaiju are feeling right now. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I knew that I would guess because you know, <laughs> I, I knew that I knew that I'd come on and I knew that I'd have a, I knew that I'd have a good time. And I've ended up having like a really wonderful time. Yay. Yeah, so thank you for having me on. Um, and yeah, you can obviously find me and my podcast, which is Verbal Diorama, uh, available on, well, pretty much any podcast app of choice. I'm also quite prevalent on Twitter. I'm always more than happy to talk to people about things that I feature. And obviously, I have kind of mentioned a few times, unless Sam decides to get rid of my plugs, <laughs> that uh, I've, I've covered a few episodes that we've talked about. But I've covered a wide variety of stuff. So feel free to, if you like 
me, which who doesn't, um, then we feel free to do. obviously. Obviously, obviously, but you know, some people listening might be like, "She's fucking weird." We're not listening to her. She sounds like okay, a fucking. If they listen bitch. to this podcast and go, "She is too weird," where the fuck have they been? Because <laughs> like, my god, we're That's all true. weird. But uh, yeah, obviously, I am on uh, social media, so Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Verbal Diorama, and basically because I'm the weirdo who chose the name Verbal Diorama for her podcast, it's literally the same for everything because no other weirdo in the world would call their podcast Verbal Diorama. So, I think it's a uh, cool name. It, I, I looked out with that one. <laughs> uh, it just came to me one day. It's weird. Weird story, but that's for another time. Uh, I've absolutely been a pleasure, Em. I knew you would be awesome and you have. So, yeah, well done. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Cool. Another little plug I'm going to do is I'm just going to thank some of our new Patreons, which are Duty, Caleb, Nick, and Christina, and Chris. Thank you guys for coming on board. It means the world for us as new Patreons. You guys are fucking awesome. And uh, yeah, if you guys want to get in contact with us, you can find us on Twitter at Movie Reviews In. You can find us on Facebook at Movie Reviews and 20Qs, but we're more prolific on Twitter if you want to get a hold of us. You can also send us an email at mritqs at gmail.com. Upcoming episodes next week, the boys are back in town to do a, a film about boys. Uh, Kahu and Machu are back to do Bill and Ted's Face the Music. That's the film. I've watched it and I've completely forgotten the title. Yeah, we're, we're doing that uh, next week. And then I think the week after or maybe the week after that, me and Liz are going to do The Social Network with Nick Haskins of Epic Film Guys. Yay. Oh, cool. I love that movie. I haven't seen it, but I <gasps> will try and watch it before the podcast. <laughs> yes. The day before the podcast. It's awesome, Liz. You get to watch a movie yeah. about a raging sociopath and then go talk about it with raging sociopaths when you're a raging sociopath yourself. So it's just full on <laughs> raging sociopath. You're going to love it. It's Good like times. meta upon meta upon meta. It's crazy. Absolutely. So much sociopath. It's going to be great. Anywho, thanks again for joining us. That is thanks from me. Thank you from me. And thanks from me. Yay. Yay. It wasn't a sexual itch. If you've got a sexual itch, you need to see your chemist. Are we are we insinuating that they're together because he's got a really big dick or something? <laughs> I never want to think about Sam's dick, to be honest. Never. Then Liz yeah. would have the hugest dick. It's did you not know it's verbal dickorama? I was like, have none of you bitches heard of an electromagnetic? <laughs> <laughs> no, we haven't. What is a hard thing to say? Jesus. Yes, I've heard uh, of a woman having a stroke. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>